Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports between the Boston Red Sox and the last place New York Yankees. Tonight is a Sox episode, our Thursday night, Friday morning Red Sox episode coming at you with our typical Thursday night, Friday morning crew. My name is Pat. I'm here with Derek and Luke and Tony Montana, a.k.a. Joey. We're all here trying a new editing system, new recording software. We'll see how that goes. If the audio stinks tonight, let us know, and we'll get it fixed for next time, folks. Uh, we got lots to talk about. Uh, Red Sox have been hot. One of the best teams in baseball, if, if you can believe it or not, over the past couple weeks. Uh, we're going to do a little over-under, a little Red Sox trivia Joey has prepared. We're doing it all. We got a lot going on, so we're going to jump right into it. We're going to start, as we always do, with our first pitch. That's just me checking in with these guys, seeing how they're doing, seeing what they're up to. Uh, Luke, I will start with you. How you doing? And give me your first pitch. I'm doing good. Um, school's ending soon for my kids, so kind of entering the uh, panic zone, trying to figure out what exactly we're going to do with them while uh, we work. We, my wife and I both work from home, so uh, watching the kids when there's not a summer camp or anything going on in the summer can be a little bit of a uh, fire drill, uh, just kind of alternating who's going to watch who uh, at what time of day, but uh uh, looking forward to water park season and amusement park season and SeaWorld and Aquatica and all that stuff. So uh, it's a good time. And we're getting a ton of rain in Texas the past couple of weeks, which is a very welcome sight uh, because we probably won't get any for the next four months. Derek, what's up with you? Um, I'm, I mean, okay, let's start this. Remember how last week I said that my... I guess thing to do. I had to take uh, popcorn ceiling off. Well, yes, and I, I've been thinking about that all week. By the way, like for the past seven days, I've been just like, "What a terrible task!" Oh, you know what my prize was this week? You're gonna love this. I got to paint the ceilings and the walls in that it's, room. It's probably so better I than will... the popcorn, though, right? And, oh, oh, and I had to. I had to for my grandfather. I had to. He bought a whole bunch of yeah. He bought a whole bunch of fill to fill up the back or whatever, and I did that a couple weeks ago. Now we got topsoil that has to go all around the backyard. So I, this morning I did that all morning. I had to wake up at seven in the morning. Oh and then, seven! And then and then the horror. he because we were supposed to start at seven thirty. I'm then at work by seven. He leaves at seven fifteen to go to the store, and, and we don't three. start till nine. I was ticked off. I I was so pissed off. I was like, I just like, what are we doing? Like, I we if I'm gonna start at nine, why do I have to wake up at seven? But whatever. Um, I got to take a nap this afternoon at the very least. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, poor poor Derek. Uh, Joey, have you been? Or excuse me, Tony Montana. Uh, have you been uh, hitting the physical labor recently, or have you been relaxing now that school's over? Look at that pelican fly, pelican. I uh, know I haven't had the chance to really get physical yet. I've only been back a couple of days, um, just kind of unpacking, seeing some family, settling back into my environment, receiving my grades. It seems like all those people that helped me study were doing a good job because I think my grades came out pretty good. And you know, I'll make sure to send my report card into to Luke and and Pat to look over and and judge me on. You know, Pat's not going to. Your dad, your dad screenshotted it and texted it to me already. That's interesting because I haven't shown him yet, but <laughs> I, we still know. 
the Listen, dean sends Joey, it to I, us before you get it. I was uh, I was a terrible student. I was a D stands for diploma student. So uh, no judgment here. You're a, you're a D stands for something, yeah. <laughs> Derek, yeah. I would rather paint the entire interior of a church and lay a hundred yards of topsoil than remove one ceiling worth of popcorn ceiling, whatever you call that stuff. Yeah. So I think you got off light this weekend. I'll take the popcorn. Does someone want to explain to me what this is? Because I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. You ever seen that? There's popcorn ceilings. There's popcorn walls. It's their little. It's almost like they're they're little rounded spikes on the on on the surface of the wall or the surface of the ceiling. You rub your hand across it and it's scratchy. And it's I don't know why people used to make walls and ceilings like that, but people who don't like them remove them. So it's a it's a process of sanding and sa- not sanding, but I don't know exactly oh, what yes, you would call sand it. Them? It's not, not sanding, I mean. right? What did you do, Derek? Well, what well, what my uh, my mom, I guess, how she figured out, learned how to do it was you essentially spray it to make it wet and then you just, like scrape it off, I guess. That, it's like it's how I did it. It's like the back of a uh, starfish almost. Like if you rub your hand against it, it's awful. I don't know why people ever had it. It was like really big in like the seventies and eighties. Dude, a lot of bad things came from the seventies, man. So many bad <laughs> architectural. I, we say that, but a lot of bad show. things are going to come from the twenty tens and the twenty twenties. So let's be honest. Luke, like, you ever been to Boston City Hall? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I've been there. Yeah, it's the ugliest building in America. Yeah, it's nothing. It's, yeah, it's boxy and like, it looks like a parking garage straight yeah. out of the seventies. The the interiors, the interiors are what really killed the looks of the seventies. There were there were some horrible horrible living rooms, couches, stuff like that. I, I'm gonna be honest. I like the you ever heard of the conversation pit? Oh yeah, yeah. those are dope. I like the conversation pit. Oh, yeah. I'll be honest. Is that the sunken floor kind of yeah. thing? Oh, okay, I have. I think those that are was like of... a rollover from the '60s, though. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, this has been HGTV with the Bleacher Brawls boys. Uh, let's talk some Red Sox. Um, so uh, since last time we checked in, we had the Sunday night show where we talked about the Phillies series. Since then, we've had a couple days off and a two-game series in Atlanta against the Braves. It was a series split. Lost the first game because Pavetta stinks and uh, won the second game because uh, Bayo's pretty good, uh, essentially, is, is the easiest way to dumb it down. Um, so the uh, team's been pretty great so far, I would say. I mean, pretty solid. Uh, like I said, uh, one of the best teams in baseball over the past couple weeks. Uh, Luke, I want to ask you, last night's win, I mean, Taylor made, didn't even need Rafi Devers for most of the game. And just about everything that could go right went right. Great start from Bayo. Jansen's 400 save. Duran with the speedy double. Casas with the homer. I mean, like, that's how you write it up. Last night, best one of the season so far or no? Uh, I I think so. I do. And I it probably feels kind of crazy that I was thinking this going into last night's game, but I was. Coming after the eight, off the eight-game winning streak and then losing the last game of the series against Philadelphia and losing really badly uh, against the Braves on uh, Tuesday night. 
I went into Thursday night thinking this this feels like a must win, I, which is stupid. It's middle of May. It's early May technically, and they just came off an eight game winning streak. So just three three losses in a row after you win eight in a row, that's not a big deal. But I did feel like that because I felt like all the good vibes of the eight game winning streak go out the window with a lot of the fan base if you follow that up by losing three straight. And then I saw Devers was not in the lineup, and I just thought, oh, Cora's just putting a target on his back. And now I look at it, and it just feels like the ballsiest move to do that. So, yeah, well, we got an off day Friday, so I'm going to give Devers the day off, and I'm with Bayo on the mound against the best lineup maybe in the major leagues. And the fact that it paid off in that way, a cookie-cutter kind of win – um, against maybe the best team in baseball. And Bayo having, I'd say without a doubt, that's the best start of his career. Six innings, two earned runs, six hits, five strikeouts, one walk, a quality start uh, in the hardest, probably the hardest game he's played on the road against the toughest lineup he's faced. Just the way everything went. You know, Duran driving in the first run and then scoring the second run. You know, uh, Bayo losing the lead, can't really blame him. What a bomb that was that Acuna hit, by the way. Uh, the, but Ramel Tapia stepping up with a pinch hit with two outs to give him the lead again. And then the awesome middle relief you get from Josh Winkowski and Chris Martin. And then that absolute bomb that Casas hit. And then Jansen getting the 400th save. All of the big contributions of the game came from either young guys or new guys that were just added to the team that we will need in this season or in the and or in the long term future. Except maybe Tapia, he probably won't be on the team for much longer. But just it was the most satisfying win I can remember this season, and that includes all four wins over the Blue Jays. Uh, Joey, you are nodding your head. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreed. Uh, I was really worried going into that game for Bayo. I was like, wow, why are they giving him the Braves? You know, for a guy you're trying to set right and give him confidence, I'm like, he's going to get shelled. I was really worried, but he, you know, he proved me wrong. Um, Cassis, you know, I'm still disappointed with a lot of his uh, behavior. I think he had a put together a. I, I watched his first at bat. And boy, I mean, was that just a non-competitive at bat or what? It was just totally non-competitive. But to see him put one into the seats, a bomb later, you know, at least makes me feel better that I, I can see him retaining some confidence. You don't want you don't want it to become a full Dahlbeck situation where he's hitting nothing. You know, if he's still hitting a bomb every couple every few games, you know, and he's hitting two hundred, he can at least build up some confidence. Um, and I was really worried Core was punting the game. You know, I was like, he's sitting Devers, he's putting Bayo out. I, I think they're just punting this for the long weekend. You know, I felt like that. It did, but it ended up not being that way. And then Kenley Jansen coming in, getting his 400th, sh- 400th save. Very dramatic. You know, he threw, I think, a 99, was it 99 miles per hour, or 98 miles per hour fastball, which is like the fastest pitch he's thrown in like a decade. Really good to see him all psyched up. He, you know, I was really wrong about him. I expected him to have a pretty so-so average season. And it is only May. But, wow. I mean, he's he's back in prime form. And he, you know, it was probably a pretty good signing by, by Bloom. Can't give Bloom full credit yet on that. But probably a, a pretty good signing. I almost want to say, Kenley, dial that back just a little bit. You know, don't, don't be letting loose with the 99 mile an hour stuff 
in May. Because I want to be sure that you still got the 96, 97 in September. I think that he was just psyched as hell last night. I mean, I think he knew it was four zero zero, and he was ready to go. I mean, um, you know, and he was we a were, Braves uh, fan growing up. That too, right? And uh, you know, we, we we went to the series in Philly, hanging up by the bullpens. There's like great open seating over there. And one thing I noticed is I was like, this guy. There's a reason he's got 400 saves. He is a ice cold water in his veins closer. He sits away from everybody else in the bullpen, talks to nobody, has his hood up, stares out into space for eight innings. Like this guy is the real deal. And so like to see him, you know, pump up 99 out of the blue, I think that's because more weight of the situation than just, you know, a random Wednesday night in May. Uh, Derek, I want to talk about Bayo because, you know, I know that this is a guy you've been championing for a long time. And it's it's clear that when his stuff is on, he's got the stuff. But he can also just get rocked if it's off. And and last night, I mean, he he stuck in there. I think i got to go with Luke. And this might be the best start of his young career so far. I don't know if it's the best start. Uh, he had a couple really good starts at the end of last year. But if you take out the sixth inning, I would definitely – be willing to agree to that saying it's his best career start the sixth inning maybe soured a tiny little bit in terms of like yeah i gave up two runs and an absolute moon ball to acuna who i guess loves hitting long home runs against the red sox he hit like a 400 like 90 foot homer against i think it was against the red sox in 2020 i hate him man so, showboating on on brian bay i mean what a loser <laughs> i really really dislike that guy complaining about Freddie Freeman taking off his eye black and all of this stuff. But continue, Derek. Sorry. Okay. Well, that's um, – but I, I feel like Bale, like he just – as long as he continues to be consistent and be solid, I, the FIP is still a little bit high for me. I don't love it. Um, but his last four starts, he's got a sub-350 ERA. So essentially just take out his first start, and he's been solid. Um, and then the last two starts, really, five – he's gone at least five innings in all three of those Start so I I think for Bayo it's just going out there if he can go out there I know he's had the fingernail thing and the blister and whatever um, hopefully they've got that under control now I'm hoping they do um, because I think he can legitimately continue I think he can be a really good piece for the Red Sox and I think going to AAA doesn't necessarily help his development because I think he's too good for AAA um, and the only other thing I want to do want to mention Kenley Jansen. Um, there was a thing he's really did kind of work on revamping and getting back to his old mechanics in terms of like last year you could really tell where he was releasing the ball and he was more kind of up and not kind of not out uh, whereas this year he's it's not up as much so it's more out closer towards home too I think as well um, I'm pretty sure his extension Derek wasn't was he also wasn't he also one of the slowest pitchers in baseball. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, not velocity-wise, but, like... He, no, he was the slowest. Um, but at the same time, um, I think it, there's a chance it could also be maybe benefiting him because maybe he doesn't have to think as much or maybe it's a, it's a thing where maybe it's like a... I don't, I don't know 100%. No, I've seen some people saying he's more on his back leg this year and more, getting more dry from it. I well, that's a big thing. I'm sorry, yeah. Derek. I'm going to cut you off, but he's very clearly sort of reinvented his delivery where he can start so that the pitch clock stops, right? And then he pauses 
And then he's really off of that leg, to your point. So, like, he's, like, find, found this, like, way to, like, jimmy the pitch clock and still do what he wants to do while also, like, giving him uh, some more power. Yeah, because at the same as, – as much as you say pitch clock and you can't take long, the pitch clock stops when you start your motion. So, especially if there's no one on base, you start your motion. Yes, you can do the whole Luis Garcia back and forth, back and forth. But you also – you don't have to – like have a super quick wind up to beat the clock. You can keep it slow in your wind up, um, and kind of and and still save a little bit of time. I guess that way for you to still recover, because um, that was a big thing of oh pitchers won't be able to cover. They won't be able to throw a hundred percent. I mean, you have fifteen seconds, and that's just until you step make your first. That's when you start your motion, right? So you really have like twenty seconds. You should be fine for a guy like Kenley. I, there, what he did talk. There was a big talk about, like I said, his release point and getting back to where he was in his prime. Because if you look at the video, a video from him last year and him this year, and then also look at a video from him in his prime with the Dodgers, there's a total difference in terms of his release point from last year and then in his prime in this year, where they're more similar. Uh, his prime with the Dodgers in this year. So I think that's a big thing for him and getting back to that has really helped them. Plus the other different things that he's done luke i gotta say that seventh inning it was an emotional roller coaster for me because they got the first two guys on i think it was kike and duran got on base on first and second nobody out and then maybe it was uh duran and casas actually and connor wong comes up i know he's a good bunner they have the bunt on for the first pitch just perfect, perfectly buntable pitch right down the middle at the knees. He takes, he pulls the bunt back, takes a strike. It's like, what the hell? Come on, dude. That was a perfect pitch to bunt. The next, pit, the next pitch, they take the bunt off, and he strikes out for like the eighth time in that game. He's looked really bad in Atlanta for some, or the last couple games he's played for some reason. So first and second, one out. No, that makes first and second with two outs, and then Dahlbeck comes up to pinch hit. And I was so pissed off. I was like, I was livid at Cora. You take the bunt off from the best bunter on the team, and he strikes out. And then you're going to counter. I don't even remember who we pinch hit for. Um, big dog. Bobby Dahlbeck. The big dog. It was dog. Valdez. Valdez. That's right. And then I, lefty, schmefty. You, you know, you're going to take the bat out of Valdez's hand, hands to to. To bring up Dahlbeck, it was like, what are you doing? And then it looks like a genius move. Now, did Cora feel comfortable with Dahlbeck batting against the lefty? Or did he know Snicker was going to counter with Nick Anderson? And then he was just going to move Dahlbeck out and put Devers in. Now, Devers struck out anyway, uh, but just... Uh, wait, no, no, this was Tapia. He pinch hit for Tapia. I'm sorry. And so then Tapia comes and pinch hit and gets the RBI single to drive in what ends up being the game-winning run... No, you had it right. Rafi struck out, and then Tapia hit. Oh, and then Tapia hit for Ref Snyder. Okay, now I remember. And it's like, wow, that looked like a masterstroke by Cora. Because if Dahlbeck hits right there, then it's like, Cora, you got to wear that one on your chin. That that's awful. Like he should not be in any games whatsoever. Um, you know, a comet hits the earth and kills everybody. The only thing that's going to be left alive is cockroaches, Ryan Brazier, and Bobby Dahlbeck. But the other thing <laughs> I noticed about that game, someone. On the Nesson camera crew must have gotten hollered at, chewed out big time last night. Because you notice 
that Acuna home run and at least a half a dozen other plays. Like the Acuna home run, such a bomb. I'm, I can't wait to see where it's going to land. Then before it lands, there's a cutaway to the extreme close-up of Acuna. And they did the same thing on Casas' home run too. They just they cut away from the from the shot of where the home run's going to land to show they an extreme show close-up of the hitter. Huh? They want to see. They want to see showboating. That's what it is. They they want it. <laughs> I don't right, think. So. I think that it, was replay the showboat though. That was totally before. inappropriate for you know a poor rookie coming in in May. You're gonna pimp that like that. I mean, Bayo should drill him next time he sees him. That was a hold on. If you hit one four seventy, you deserve to pimp it. Come on. No, you don't. I mean, you should. Yes, pimp you do. You hit a game-winning home run. All right, so we've talked enough about the game that went really well. There was also a game that didn't go so well. And while we speak of Bayo's great performance, uh, Pavetta and and Luke, we can get into this if you want. I think Pavetta is in Dahlbeck territory. I think he is in this guy can do it, but he is he's got nothing between the ears. He's hollow. And uh, I think I, I just I, I got a big kick out of this over the past 48 hours. After the game, Chris Cotillo asked him, do you think you're auditioning for your role in the rotation? And Dahlbeck, or excuse me, uh, Dahlbeck, is, uh, Freudian slip there. Pavetta says, I don't understand the question. He's just an asshole for no reason. And, you know, um, it's a super fair question because um, he sucks. And he's kind of like the seventh, maybe even eighth starter on this team right now. And so, uh, you know, I've been a big proponent of him in the past, but he just... His cold stretch has has gone too long now, and I think it's definitely a possibility. And and Luke, I I, I know you're excited, so I'll let you go. I bet it's the ace, guys. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> marveling at the full on heel turn. I'm on, just on I'm just Pavetta. over it. Like like it's it's the, it's the same Dahlbeck thing. Like you just can't do this forever. You know, like it's cute and kitschy for like a little while. Like oh he's cold. Oh he's a psychopath. You know, like at, at a certain point, like you just stink. Like you can't put it together, and you just stink. And like that kitschy stuff is no longer like a part of your fun baseball player personality. It's just you. Okay, anyway, I'm done. So I'm definitely out on the response. He, he, of course, he understood the question. I don't understand what what question you're asking. You, you, you knew he was he was saying he was asking you. Do you think you're still going to be a starting pitcher? That you're not good enough at starting pitching to be in the starting rotation. Uh, <laughs> and then he answered the question immediately. Yeah, said, I don't understand it. He answered it. So you clearly understood the question. I get it. You're angry. You had a crappy game. You know you had a crappy game. You don't feel good about it. You don't want to be standing in front of these jamokes and answering their, their questions right now. But, I, I mean, the guy, look at all the, yeah, there's a whole bunch of starting pitchers on the team. He's the only one that stays healthy. He's the only one that you can count on to go on, go out every five games. And, yes, he's going to have his stinkers, but he's also going to have his really good games. So you just got to weigh those two things. So innings alone, you know, if he makes 15 starts, where he goes six innings, you know, that's what, 90, 90 innings right there. So when the other 15 starts, he only goes four or five, you know, that's, I mean, I can't do the math in my head right now, but that's a good number of innings you're getting for, for a staff that has a whole bunch of everybody else could go on the aisle at any second. And I get it. It's frustrating. You know how good he is, but then you usually know two batters into the game if it's going to be a bad one. If he's trying to to climb the ladder with the fastball and it's going 
eight inches over the catcher's head, like, you know, it's going to be a long night. But I just, I see those games where he does really well, and I just feel like, all right, it's worth it. And once in a while, he'll have a game where he gives up six runs in five innings, but this offense will score eight, and they'll stay in the game. You know, it's tough because it's so frustrating, but that's kind of what fifth starters are. Joey. You know what? I think I think I'm going to be a little more supportive of Nick Pavetta here. Um, I kind of, I mean, yes, he had a bad attitude in his interview, but I feel like I'd rather have him be that way than be a defeatist. You know, I I, I don't know if I like when guys, or not a defeatist, but when, when guys like not care. It was pretty evident that he was emotional and upset about how it went. You know, and he's down on himself. I'd rather have him be that way than be like, oh, well, we'll get him next time, you know. So I, I do have to say, you know, that's at least – the fact that he is down on himself at least makes me happy to show that he is not okay with his performance either. And the thing with Pavetta is, which makes him better than Dahlbeck, is that Pavetta, Pavetta is streaky. Dahlbeck is just bad all the time. Pavetta is streaky. Pavetta has had periods in his career, and you know Luke Tobin knows this better than anyone else. Where he pitches like an ace. I mean, he will pitch, you know, five starts in a row, fantastic, like a number one, and then he'll fall off the train again. But I mean, that's that's pretty useful for someone that's you know your number five or number four pitcher. I think that's that's pretty fair. And as we're criticizing him now, later in the year when he picks it up again, I'm sure we'll praise him. But his big flaws consist. His big flaw is consistency. He's just inconsistent. Um, and I just think we have to get used to that. He's never going to be the ace. He's never going to be a number two. But I think he's perfectly fine for a four or five. He's the only guy that like I know is going to make every start, which serves something. And you know he does have the capability uh, when he's needed to do something really special, whether that's in the playoffs in 2021 or um, you know when I saw him when I was there at the plea <laughs> – Game that he <laughs> the Astros game. Yeah, I was there. I saw it happen. You know, that was... You have to have a certain degree of talent. That was to, a year ago. <laughs> but you have to have a certain degree of talent to ever be able to pull that off. So it, it is there for him. And it will come out again, I'm sure. Yeah, Bobby Dobek can hit 30 home runs, but he doesn't because he sucks. No, I, I just Zavetta like, has had games like that, though. Dobek's never I, hit 30 home runs. Uh, I mean, he had like 27, didn't he? I mean, I round it up, but you get the idea. He had 25. Um, Okay, you get the idea. I also like, to to your point, Joey, I feel like, yeah, yeah, you know, he's upset with himself too, blah, blah, blah. But like, we've gotten enough of this over the past year where, you know, we do have the defeatist. We have Bobby Dahlbeck. And, you know, we have the guy who comes off as though he doesn't care at all. His, you know, demeanor has changed. He said he was going through some stuff. But we had that with Jaron Duran last year, right? He doesn't look like he cares even a little bit. And now we have the guy who's pissed off all the time. Like, it's getting old. Like, this just, like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a, you got you to gotta Duran it. You got to figure it out, man. Because otherwise, um, like, you're just stinking up. And I get what you're saying, Luke, about, uh, about every fifth day. You know, I get the fact that he's uh, – since he came to the Red Sox, he's made the 10th most starts in baseball. I get it. Like, that's great. That's, you know, that's durability. That's health. I understand. But to be blown away, to be offended at the idea – 
that you could go to the bullpen is it, just really put a bad taste in my mouth because he's not performing like a starting pitcher. I don't even think he's performing like a number five right now. I, I, here's, the, here's the problem go ahead, with Derek. what Nick Pavetta said. He he literally blatantly just denies the question. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about, and I'm not moving to the bullpen. And then he essentially goes on to answer the exact question that was asked and then complaining about how he's not going to the bullpen. He's a starter. He's done it for his whole career here in Boston. Yeah, great, amazing. But at the same time, it's like, Yes, you're consistent. Best, the best ability is availability. availability also, is it true he got 100%. sent to the bullpen at one point in 2021? But continue. No, he came out of the bullpen once one, to one save time. that game in DC. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, go ahead. In the that was an extreme situation. He, here's what Nick Pavetta should have said when he gets asked that question. He should have said, "I don't know what you're talking about." What he should have said is, "I, I'm a starter. I've started for the majority of my career, and I've started for my whole career here in Boston." Tonight did not showcase the best of my abilities, but I believe I am good enough to maintain a spot in this rotation, even with the competition that we have. Something along those lines. Tanner Houck in spring training, when they asked him whether or not he wants to be in the rotation, he said, I would prefer to be in the rotation, but I'll do what the team asked me to do. Right? He says he wants to be in the rotation, he believes he can be good enough to be in the rotation, but if the team wants him in the pen, he will go in the bullpen and perform to the best of his abilities. Especially after, if Pavetta would have just went out six innings, no runs, whatever, it's one thing to answer a question like that. But not when you go out there and you pretty much get crapped on, essentially, because that's exactly what happened. And it's just, you have to be more consistent in a rotation that has the upside that the Red Sox does, especially if guys like Kluber and Sale and maybe even Paxton are putting in consistent starts and maybe even Whitlock and Bale get consistent. It's going to be tough, even Hauk too. But and that's all we're, all we're really talking about here is optics, right? You know, he had a crappy game. It was far from the crappiest game that he's had, and he's had a bunch of good games. And the whole time he's gone out and made every fifth, every the start every fifth day. He's a fifth starter. He's Bronson Arroyo in two thousand four. You know, he's not in Clay Buckholtz territory with me, where I'm expecting. I mean, for maybe a month or so last year, he was because I was I was out on a limb saying he's the ace. And then he did awful uh, for pretty much the rest of the year. But he's just, I mean, that's kind—that's of, why I said that's really what fifth starters are. And not everybody has that gene to tell themselves, to, to tell themselves in real time, don't say something stupid right now. Just, you know, just give the stock answer. Maybe he needs media training. I don't know, but he's just, I mean, look at him. He's psychotic. He's, he's, he's jittery. He's screaming at himself. How many times has a, has a batter stepped out of the box and like given him the stink eye? Cause they thought he was yelling at, cause they thought Pavetta was yelling at, at them. And he's just like, no, it's me. I'm yelling at me. Like, oh really? And you're, you, you're this crazy effort that's going to be throwing a baseball 95 miles an hour in my direction. That makes me feel better. Well, I think also part of it is he losing – not to psychoanalyze Nick Pavetta, but I'm sure the idea of losing a rotation spot to Paxton, who hasn't pitched for two years, probably really bothers him. He probably really resents that as an idea. So I imagine that's also a component to why he was so peed off. Could be. That's a good. That's an interesting take on it. I can understand him being upset 
um, because he is a fiery guy. Um, but I, I just think, when, especially, I think the one thing that uh, Red Sox fans want is a guy who's honest, but at the same time willing to do anything for the team if he's asked. And it felt like, although Pavetta maybe was being honest, it didn't feel like he maybe was, if the team said, we think what's best for the team is you in the bullpen, it doesn't feel like Pavetta maybe is going to be willing to want to do that. Because I, my argument for Pavetta in the pen is, anyone remember Alfredo Aceves in 2011 when he was really good as a long reliever? And I'm not saying Pavetta's going to be that. Was that. My guy, but, that was my guy, dude. That was my guy. like 100 innings out of the bullpen and was just an innings eater and can make spot starts. I know the Red Sox kind of have Cutter Crawford, but I think he could be used in an inning or two stints out of the pen and be solid. Maybe Nick Pavetta could be a really good guy as a like your kind of old school long reliever. I guess that could be a good role for him. Does it? Would it work? Who knows? We don't really know. Um, but the rotation spaces are, you know, there's not really a lot of openings for him once everyone's healthy, especially once Garrett Whitlock comes back, which could be soon. It's a good problem to have. I agree. Let's uh, let's break this down because um, we want to play one of our weekly games tonight. Uh, this one we're calling Call Your Shot. Okay, we've done this before. It's just make a prediction. Okay, hot take, freezing cold take. You get the idea. We're switching it up a little bit uh, because uh, we're doing a little over and under. Okay, so you got to call your shot on the over, the under. Um, it's 2023 sports gambling has taken over the world. You know how overs and unders work. I want to start with the two, um, starting pitcher ones so that we can continue this conversation. Um, I want to start with Paxton. Paxton comes back. Um, when people are listening to this tonight, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and we'll check in with you on the Sunday night, Monday morning show. Uh, our first over under our first call your shot is James Paxton, James Paxton, Starts nine and a half games. And I'm not going to start with Derek every time, but Derek made these lines. I think they're really good lines. I, I, I want to hear some of your um, thought process behind the, the Paxton nine and a half. Well, I think it seems very obvious that Paxton's getting a rotation. I mean, well, we know he's getting a rotation spot, but I think it's going to be very obvious that they're going to give him at least a few starts in the rotation. So I wasn't going to set the line at something stupid like four and a half and say over and basically you're going to go over under four and a half. So he's going to make five more starts. I felt like that'd be a little stupid because I feel like they'll probably give him at least five runs in the rotation, if not more. Now they do have an off, one off day a week for the next five weeks after this week, and they had two this week. Uh, so he'll just, he'll, if they stick with the six man, he'll only start once a week. Even if they go down to the five man, it'll essentially only be once a week. So nine and a half starts really is going to be about eight weeks of starts. Or you go get to, if he gets to ten starts, that probably eight weeks of starts. Do you think James Paxton can stay healthy for eight weeks? That's the question. Can he? Because I don't think they'll put him in the bullpen. I think that's the big question. I mean, maybe you think they'll put him in the pen and he doesn't reach that number. But I felt like that's where the line for me personally. I'm going to go over, but like just slightly over. I don't think he's going to put up like a 15 15 starts i think it'll probably be around the 10 to 12 range luke i'm going hard with the under here i think he's going to get two starts and he's going to get hurt again or he's going to get lit up so much that everyone's going to be like look this division's really going to be hard to compete in we can't mess around with this guy anymore and just cut him loose he's only making four million dollars this year joey 
Yeah, I think he gets blown up and banished to the pen. To be honest with you, I don't think he makes it, so I'm taking the under. Uh, I'm going over on this one. I think if they're going to stick with Corey Kluber, if they're going to stick with freaking Nick Pavetta, I think they're going to stick with Paxton. And whatever Bloom secret plan they have going on, we're about to see it um, coming up because, you know, we're going to have to figure out <laughs> – we're going to have to figure out um, – Who's going to the pen? Uh, and I don't think I don't I don't think it's Paxton. I don't I don't see it the same way that you guys do. Um, Bayo, we've been talking about Bayo. Uh, the line here also nine and a half. Nine and a half wins. I don't know how many he has already. Is two wins already? He's yeah, got two, two already. Uh, two wins by May eleventh. Um, you know, is he going to continue to start? Is he going to be in AAA? All these questions. Uh, Luke, do you think he gets to uh, – how do you feel? Over, under the 9.5, call your shot. Oh, yeah, over 12. I say 12. I think his minor league days are over. I think he is in the rotation now, and I think he can really build off of that. I think he's he just got an immense amount of confidence getting that win over the Braves and getting a quality start over the Braves. Um, so yes, it will not be him going to the bullpen and will not be him going down with the minors. I think they're through screwing around with this guy and they know what he, he can be and they know what they want him to be. And I think the whole organization thinks his time is now. Joey. Over. He's, I think he's here to stay. Uh, Brevity is the soul of wet. Derek. I'm going to go with a very slight under just because I think there's a chance he gets sent down just because he has options. It's going to be like Tanner Houck in 2021. Remember when Garrett Richards and Martin Perez were in the rotation and they still sent down Tanner Houck because he had options. I think there's a chance when Garrett Whitlock comes back, if everyone else is healthy in the rotation, Bayo's the odd man out just because he has options and he can be sent down. Now that doesn't mean you still see some, you could still see someone else get moved to the pen because right now they're in a six-man rotation. I think you see someone get moved to the pen, whether it be Hauk, Whitlock, or Pavetta, whoever it ends up being. I think it most likely is Pavetta or Hauk. And then Bayo probably gets sent down, with, sent down, and then your five is Sale, Kluber, whoever. You, know, you get the point, essentially. Um, I still think he'll get eight or nine wins. I just I don't really – I don't know if he'll get ten. He's got two and five starts. Even if he makes 20 starts this year, I think 10 is still a little iffy. Um, and I think he probably makes 15 to 18 starts, maybe doesn't get to 20, so I'm going to go under. But he's got the Lee Press-On nails now. He's got the <laughs> acrylic nails, and that was his only, was his only problem two starts before that. Have you ever heard of a player doing that before? Never. I've never heard of that. It I probably mean, happens a lot, though. I bet it yeah, does. Do you think I bet it happens a lot? Just never got much publicity. The thing is, I think it's so much different now. Like he's such a different animal than Hauk was when he was coming up. That they're not gonna be like, you know, Hauk was still like kind of a fringe major leaguer at the time, and this guy has been kind of anointed as the guy for the next generation of Red Sox teams. I don't think they want to mess around with him like that, and just I think they'd rather. DFA Paxton, you know, he hasn't made a start in the over a year that they've had him already. They'd rather put Tanner Houck in the bullpen where he is, where he has a much higher upside than as a starting pitcher who you don't want to really pitch to the lineup three times, uh, 
the, a third time. It's yeah, just... and if Paxton, if Pax, sorry to interrupt you, but if if Paxton no, doesn't, if Paxton doesn't pitch well, we could probably DFA him and no one would pick him up. Like I think the opposite has it, DFA hasn't pitched for two DFA years, comes back and gets shelled. Who's gonna pick that up? Like I, I, I really doubt it. There'd be a team. There'd be even if it's like the A's, someone would pick him up. It's I because they but probably would I think the optics he, of it is they is they makes it they'd only have to pay him the veteran minimum, and the Red Sox would have to pick up the rest of the salary. So they might take anybody might take a flyer on him. Yeah, I think I just think the optics of it. They're not going to get rid of Paxton anytime soon. I like I said, I think Paxton can get ten starts, and that's that's not I, anytime soon. I think no, that's what, he doesn't have the arm. I don't. I mean, think about it. I mean. Remember all the trouble Sale had when he came back with the innings loads and all of this? Paxton's going to be like that on steroids. I mean, he has not pitched. He should get on all. steroids. I was about to say, I would love Paxton on steroids. <laughs> That'd be great. I, I oh, actually, one, one, one question. New question, guys. Sorry. <laughs> if there was one Red Sox player you could put on steroids, please Bobby answer, please answer no. these quick. No. Pick one. Everyone pick one. Huh. Connor Wong. Oh, he's got great raw power anyway. You don't bulk him steroids. up, baby. No, bulk him up. Um, you Chang, because I think that would just be funny. <laughs> no, 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 no. Who's getting bulked up? We're, we're, go, we're giving them to Yoshida. Just macho oh. man. Just, yeah. <laughs> macho man. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. We got to move on. We got to move on. I want to quickly say I'm with Derek on the under here. I think I like the numbers of the 15, 18 starts. I think because he's young, he has that you know contractual flexibility. He might go up and down more than we want him to. And I also agree, like just like getting wins is hard. It's getting hard when it's hard when you only pitch five innings. Um, he's only got two wins and five starts. He still gets schlocked. I mean, you know, he had a good game last night, but he's not good to go now. You know, like he uh, he's going to have more of of you know those starts where he gives up seven runs. And so I think I think ten is high. So I, I'm going to go on the under. Um, we're going to do uh, two offensive ones because we still got a lot to do tonight. So. Uh, Duran, Duran, Duran picking up the freaking base is, I mean, the the balls on this guy. He's played well for three weeks, and listen, every week I go, I don't know, he's only played well for a week. He's only played well for two weeks. He's only played well for three weeks. But he is just, I mean, he's got a shit-eating grin on his face all the time. I mean, he, he thinks he's Ricky Henderson. Uh, Luke Izzy, uh, doubles. Um, he has already got 20. Well, I should, I should, I should know. I have, I do know. He's already got twelve. Thanks, Derek. Um, the line is thirty-four and a half over under. Uh, he's got twelve in, I think, twenty-two games. He's already, I think, he's second or third in the league in doubles, and he's played twenty-two of thirty-eight games. I think he's going to shred that over. I'm, I'm putting. I think he's going to have. I'm saying forty-six doubles. Wow. In like a hundred and fifteen games, he just look. He gets a single half the time. It's probably going to be a double. Do you see that one? Acuna didn't know what was happening. Like it was just a regular slap single to left, and I think he got oh, the yeah, ball. He was like, with this? Dude, if Durant gets forty five doubles, I mean, is, is he a silver slugger candidate? <laughs> I, I don't know because I, mean, I know it's loaded, crazy. But I also he, uh, go ahead. I, I'll say this on Durant. Here's why I said line thirty four and a half. I was worried it'd be a low line. Um, He's, there's been 38 Red Sox games. 
He's got 12 doubles. If you Joey, thank you for not muting yourself as you sneezed into the – anyway, go ahead. Um, but Duran has 12 doubles and 38 Red Sox – and 38 team games for the Red Sox. If you put that over a 162-game season, so it, essentially he's on pace to hit 51 doubles, and he hasn't even – he's only barely played in half – he's just barely over half game, half the games. If he plays every day from now to the rest of the year – like the pace might jump up to like sixty or seventy. Like it's stupid. I, I'm sorry. I'm. I just like. I don't even care about the line. I'm thinking about him picking up the base again because what I love yes. so much of the what I love so much of the clip is he's like all nervous when he does it. You know, he like he does it like really slow and he's like looking around. Like he can't do it with any confidence. Like, I, I got it. Yeah, I got a big kick out of it. It's like, uh, have I earned this? No, Jared, you he have not. He gets kicked not. out of the game for picking up the base. <laughs> yeah, can, can he's I, like I, all I, nervous. Like he, he, like you're supposed to slide in and throw it up, and you know this is my baby. No, he's like it's all tepid yeah. and shit. I, I was I'm afraid. I was afraid he broke his finger when the base popped up. I thought he broke his finger or something, and that's why the base popped up. Like, oh, he slid in there too hard, and then he got up all tentative and like, oh, okay, he's all right. Like, thank God. All right, Joey. 34 and a half. I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think I think Duran's big advantage is that he stretches a lot of singles into doubles. Um, if he plays every day or close to every day, yeah, I think he gets there. Yeah. I, God, I, I would love for you guys to be right. I said every week, please be right. I hope he's figured it out. I'm still not convinced, but listen, I'll take it so far, especially while the team is hot. Uh, I want to do one more. Um, checking on the rookie, little rookie watch. Uh, Tristan Cassis. Uh, Derek, somebody has it in front of you. I should have had it in front of me. I have it. His batting average. I, I put the over under at 230. Well, the line's 230, but his current batting average. His current is 167, I think. He's at 167. The line is 230. Joey, I'll start with you on this on uh, on this one. Is he going to get to 230? I know you're a big, big old batting average boy. That's right. I'm, I'm the big dog of batting average. Uh, 230. Jeez. First, you get the average. Then you get the power. Then you get the women. I, we should say first you get the average, then you get the power, then you get the win. I think that's a good. Is that Bleacher Brawl's merchandise? I just came up with a good shirt. <laughs> I, can, I hear do, I hear cash register bells going. I, 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 yeah. I can, All right, I, Joey. I can, the line is two thirty. Um, jeez, is he at one sixty-seven now, dude? I'm so disappointed with him. He's like Mark Reynolds. He reminds me of right now, but but uh, I'm gonna say yeah because if he doesn't hit over 230, I'm probably gonna jump off my roof. So he is that. the exact opposite of Mark. Also, Mark Reynolds. Reynolds did have a couple of good years. Okay, let's not disrespect Mark Reynolds. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, Luke, 230. Uh, I'm calling it the under for this year, though. He he starts. He started slow in the minor leagues every year too. It seems like I think he's going to pick it up. I think he might get it up to 220 or so. I don't think he'll break 230 with a batting average, but I think he'll get 20 home runs, and I think he'll get his OBP up to around 360. So it's still not, you know, I still have a problem with it. Even if you get the OBP that high, I still got a problem with you not getting more hits than that. But, you know, we're coming off of two years of Bobby Dahlbeck. I'm more than happy to give Casas a couple years at this rate. If he's getting on base like that and he can hit home runs 
like if he hit 442 foot home runs from time to time, you know, I'll take it. Under. I know it's, it's it's kind of unfair not to give him the same leeway that we gave Dahlbeck. Right. Like give it giving Cassis less runway than Dahlbeck feels inextricably wrong. But to prove my Mark Reynolds point, okay, Mark Reynolds. I'm going to read one season out, 2010, 32 home runs, 198 batting average. Uh, 2008, 28 home runs, 239 batting average. Uh, 2011, 220, 37 home runs. Do you see what do you see what my point was there? But he doesn't. He doesn't. He never. I don't think he walked ever. I think he just struck out every at no, bat that he didn't hit a home run. Uh, no? I mean, I'm seeing like a three three forty, three twenty OBP. I mean, not, that's not really? bad. Oh, yeah. his career OBP is three twenty eight. But I, oh, I think okay. Cassis will be higher than that, though. No, Cassis will be. I'm saying it, it was an insult. It was an it's insult. Not, it's not so. a terrible comp, but there, you, you can do. Mark Reynolds led the league in strikeouts four years yes, in a row. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like the original three outcome guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, he wasn't even a true three outcome guy because he didn't walk a whole lot. Like, he walked a decent amount, but it wasn't a ton. Anyway, if he Cass- was under two hundred and. With an OBP of like three thirty, then yes, he, he must All have right. been watching. Derek, yes. lines two thirty. You're the last one. Go. I'm going over. Uh, his last eleven games is in two thirty five, um, and then when you look at his last what five games? Uh, sorry, no, his last six games. He's hitting in his last six games three thirty three. Um, Actually, I have a question I... for the math people. What average would Cassis have to hit? For the rest of the season to get over the two thirty mark, you know I that's think like a good 240, question. Two forty, two forty five. Yeah, not that, not as high as you might crazy. think. I would think like two sixty maybe. I was thinking like two fifty. I think like two forty, two forty five would get it done. But even I'm just can we kind have, of split the difference? So can we really have a Mark ask. Reynolds segment every week? <laughs> oh my God. No, I, I, I'll say this about Cassis though. As much as like we're talking about batting average form or whatever, at the end of the day. Um, the big thing for him this year is quality of at bats. The OBP, I think, is going to be a big one because even in his like O for whatever stretch, he was still getting on base, which I think is a big thing. Uh, Carlos Correa had a thing on it this off season. Uh, or sorry, no, last postseason when he was doing TV coverage, I think it was for TBS, and he said front offices like guys who walk because if they're going 0 for 15 they still might walk seven times whereas the guy who doesn't walk is going to go 0 for 15 and not walk at all and he's not getting on base right so i think there's i think that's the big, the big thing for cast quality of at bats and he can still show his ability to get on base i think that's the two big things for him this year um we see like the 14 pitch walk the 11 pitch walk he's had this year he's having good at bats now is he just is he missing some of the pitches he needs to hit yes um but it's still early in his career and I think he'll, he's going to eventually start hitting those pitches that he's missed early on this season. In, in, in some of those at-bats, he looks ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I, you guys have to agree with me on this. He, he has put together a lot of non-competitive at-bats this year. Very ba- you know? Some very bad at-bats and more check swings than I've, I feel like I've ever seen from a player. Like, he and wants to swing at all every time. pitch. It's like he wants to swing at almost every pitch, so he starts to and then just tries to hold the bat back just before he makes it an official swing. Carlos Correa needs to stop, needs to shut up and start producing runs, though, because he's on my fantasy team, and he's been awful this year. All right, so we're going to do one more, and this one you, you do not get to elaborate at all, okay? You say over, you say under, the end. Here it is. The Red Sox, 
89 and a half wins. Do they reach the 90 win mark, which I think we're talking postseason territory. Just say over, just say under, Derek. So I made this line, and I made it with the intention of going over. Mute him. Okay, over. Okay, okay. I can't on this new software. Uh, Tony Montana, over, under. You can't mute me? (laughs) (laughs) I'll find a way. Uh, I'll I'll say – I'm going to say under still. Okay, under. Luke. Under, 87. Ooh, I'm over. It's a playoff team, baby. Um, We're going to get better. Okay. Well, no tweet of the week this week, so we're going to do prospect of the week, and then I know Joey has some trivia instead of the actioner. So, Derek, you get your, and I'm setting the timer, you get your 60 seconds to choose your prospect of the week. From Farm to Fenway presents Derek's Minor Leaguer of the Week. Nobody gets interrupted for the next 60 seconds. Go. I, I want to give a shout-out to CJ Liu because he threw a seven-inning no-hitter last week. Um, so I am going to give a shout-out to him, but I'm going with Marcelo Meyer. Uh, he played six games last week. Last week He went 16 for 31 in six games with six doubles and three homers. Um, he didn't walk, but he only struck out four times. Uh, the average, the slash line was 516, 516, 1,000, and then 1516 for the OPS. For a guy in Marcelo Meyer who's the top prospect, and he's starting to push like, oh, maybe he needs to be moved to double-A. I think he's going to stick on the same trajectory that he did in, high, in low A last year. He played 66 games in low A. He's already played combined between last year and this year about 45 to 50 games in high A. Don't be shocked if we get to June. By the time we get to June, and it's June 1st, he maybe gets a move up to double A. We've already seen some guys move this week in the minor leagues, like a Chase Meadroth, for example. Um, but for Marcelo Meyer, it was an amazing week for him, so he gets it because he hit over 500. That's stupid. Excellent timing, Derek. Thank you. Joey is upset that he cannot seem to win the Actionary ever. In fact, I don't think he's ever gotten a single one right. Uh, so this week, he's taking it over. Nobody's this week. gotten one right except Derek because he's studying <laughs> yeah. beforehand. It's a, it's a rigged event. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, documentary. Joey, you have the next five minutes. Play Joey's trivia. I think I'm, I'm the host now. So. Welcome everyone to Bleacher Brawls trivia. Uh, this is gonna be this is this is baseball MLB trivia. I'm just gonna be asking some questions. Uh, I don't know how many of these guys are gonna get right. Hopefully, I think I think they'll at least get one of these right. Um, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna say uh, whoever gets the answer first can can uh, say it, and then they all they all get one guess. I'm gonna give them all a turn after the first one. My first question is: Who holds? The single season record for RBIs in Red Sox franchise history. Jimmy Fox. Luke is correct. Oh. That's be my guess. 155? Wow. Let me uh, double check that number. It is not 155, uh, 175. Whoa. That's crazy. I was way off. Oh, my God. I was like, 155, like. Didn't Poppy get like 149 one season? Like he was close. No, 175. That's insane. 175 is outrageous. All right. Next question. Who holds the single season record for doubles? We were discussing doubles today. Who holds the season single season record for doubles? Harry Hooper. No, this is all time. This is any any player. Love Harry Wait, Hooper. All time in terms of a season or a career? 
All time for a season, but any player, not just a Red Sox player. Would it be oh, Cole any Crawford? player ever? No, any player ever. Any player. Oh. Did, did you hear my answer? What was it? I said, would it be Carl Crawford? I know he had a ton of doubles one year in Tampa. No way. It's not Carl Crawford, Derek. You could ever <laughs> much with Carl Crawford. Probably, just, I figured it's probably more like 1980s, but like it, I, I wanted to throw it out. As it's, not, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not 1980s. Is it Tris Speaker? No, but that's a good guess. He's the all-time leader in doubles. That's a good guess. All yes. right. All right uh, Luke, do you have a final guess for us? Eddie Matthews. No, it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a gentleman who was a Red Sox player. By the name of <laughs> Earl Webb. Oh my God! Never heard of him. Earl Webb in 1931 hit 67 doubles. Old Dusty Glove Webb. I'm finding what Carl Crawford's career high was in doubles. <laughs> okay. Anyway, his great 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 grandson Brandon Webb had a few good years for the Diamondbacks. I remember. <laughs> yeah, but speaking of Mark Reynolds, had so triples. He had like 19 triples in the year. His most 67 doubles. All right. I had a 333 batting average for the Boston Red Sox in 1931. And my last question, who is the AL single season ER lowest ERA record holder uh post uh 1901? Post 01? Yeah. Damn, mine was from 1897. I don't know what to do now. It's got to be someone from like prior to 1920. That's that's um, a very excellent. Yeah, there was a guy. His it was like a Walter Johnson, or something. not Walter Johnson. Uh, Cy Young, not Cy Young. That's that's the easy, stupid guess. Cy Johnson. Derek, look up. You're cheating. I'm not. I'm looking. I'm looking at the Celtics box score. Honestly, if any of you guys got this right, I'd accuse you of cheating instantly. I'm probably not going to get it anyways. I'm trying. What member of the I, I, okay, Cleveland Spiders I was? I can I say this? I do have a book that's like the like who's the greatest baseball pitcher ever, and it has like a lot of pitchers from that time. But I don't really remember a lot of those guys. So All right, go, Joe. Is it from the? My, is it someone from the St. Louis Maroons? <laughs> no, I, so I'll give you an additional hint. He played on the Red Sox. I don't know. I've mentioned it before. I know I've brought this guy up before. I know I have. I think in our all-time player draft. Three, two, Lefty Grove. One. That's who I was going to bring up, but it's not him. His name is, his name is Dutch Leonard. Uh, (laughs) That's BS. Isn't that what you call it when when you fart in bed and you pull the covers up over your (laughs) white I'm doing trivia next week. No, that's called that's called a Luke Tobin. But uh, Dutch Dutch Leonard in 1914, a World Series winning year for the Boston Red Sox, pitched to a .96 ERA with 19 wins. He also his ERA plus was two seventy nine for that season. And what's even more impressive is he pitched six hundred and forty two innings that year. He pitched. He only pitched two twenty four, which is like I think a very reasonable number. <laughs> it's probably probably the lowest lowest in the league that year. They're probably like this guy's a this guy's a slacker. But he, um, had whole, he had a whole sheet of sandpaper on the ball as he was delivering. <laughs> no, no, no wonder he was so good. He never pitched. <laughs> and to give you to give you a a little bit of background on on Dutch Leonard. 
had a very promising career, you know, was a teammate of Smokey Joe Wood, who I'm assuming you guys do know. And then he had an unfortunate injury, which was probably a torn UCL or something, and he just couldn't pitch after it. His career his career ended. But if that were not to have happened, he probably would be remembered as one of the best pitchers of that era. But he was cut off in his prime, much like some of you guys. This is, this is BS. I'm doing trivia next week. This is no, BS. we're going back to the Dictionary next week. We're going back to the Dictionary next week. Uh, let me do all the plugs. Um, I was good. Sun- I love trivia. I, I'd be. I'd vote fun. for trivia again. Sunday <laughs> night, Monday morning episode coming out on Monday. You got the Yankee Show next week. We'll be back next Thursday for the one year anniversary slash birthday party of Bleacher Brawls. We're all gonna have uh, cake, just like Luke had five different birthday cakes last weekend. <laughs> We're all going to bring cake. We're going to have a big uh, celebration. Um, what else? Bleacherbrawls.com. Lots of fun stuff going on over there. We do trivia. We do quizzes. Also do uh, everything. Talk a little Red Sox. Talk a little Yankees. Uh, starting nines. I have my starting yep. nine of X-Men heroes tomorrow. All right. So cool. keep an eye out for that. Well, Friday, Derek. not tomorrow. Friday. Are, there, are there nine X-Men? I didn't even know there were nine. Oh, there's X-Men. about there's 75 like, X-Men. Yeah, there's 15 X-Men. Uh, Derek, talk about UFC this week. I'm talking about The Simpsons next week. Uh, so we do some fun stuff over there. Uh, YouTube channel, we talk some Yankees, some Red Sox, some Between the Lines, TikTok. Uh, all the places you find things, you can find Bleacher Brawls. Our main social media hub is at Bleacher Brawl on Twitter. This show, you've already read it as five stars. Left us a nice review on your podcast app of choice. Make sure you've subscribed, all those things. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. So we'll see some of you. Oh, so you'll see some of us uh, on the Rivalry Show on Sunday. You'll see all of us next week for next week's Red Sox show, where we will uh, continue to play the actionary, regardless of what Tony Montana has to say. So uh, I think that's pretty much it. I'm going to sign off for everybody. My name is Pat. For Derek. For Luke. For Tony. Uh, thank you guys for listening. That was a fun show. It's always fun with these guys on Thursday nights, Monday mornings. We will see you guys for the next one. Say hello you to my ice cream. Friend. You said ice cream. All right, folks. That's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.